Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you today for a 27-hour review to keep up with the movie that we are reviewing today. We are here to talk about the film that everybody has been anticipating for 13 whole years. Oh, they've been counting down the days when it was delayed like 28 times. They were so sad. There were riots in the street. There was catastrophes around the world. They literally put a pandemic on because they were so disappointed that that movie that they saw once in 2009 because they were forced to because it had 3D glasses and they completely forgot about has a sequel and it's here. (laughs) And I think we're both still watching it. Avatar, The Way of Water, James Cameron's movie where he can go, hey, look at me, I'm rich and I can do lots of fancy things for about three and a half hours uh, starring... Who gives a shit who's in it? It's a James Cameron movie, (laughs) masturbating over water. Um, Plenty to talk about in this movie. My name is Ben, and why so blue? And my name is Colin, and I'm not your buttercup, perv. Aw, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Um, (laughs) Here it is, Colin, we've been waiting. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I can't believe this time. I thought no time did I was hard to wait for. Avatar, the way of water. Oh, my God, it's finally here. Uh, Look, I rewatched the first one the other day for the first time in 13 years, like most humans on this planet. And I was like, yeah, that was a movie. Um, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like, oh my God, this is shit. But it's kind of like, does this really hold up? Why did we all go rush to see this 13 years ago? It's kind of my thoughts when I first saw it. I'm like, it's fine. It's not as amazing as I thought everybody else did. I guess it was just the trend. But it's just that weird anomaly of the biggest movie of all time kind of being a movie where it's like, eh, that existed. Like, again, I will always say, at least Titanic people will have an opinion of and remember it. I know you don't like it, but you at least don't like it. You have a feelings over Titanic, whereas Avatar is just there. It's just there. So I kind of went into this going like, oh, sure, I've got to see this, whatever. A couple of times I nearly fell asleep, not going to lie. The cinema was very packed, interesting cinema experience. But I will say this, I enjoyed it more than the first one. It was more enjoyable than I was expecting, but I think this will just be like the first Avatar. I'll see it at the movies, and then probably in 13 years when they release the next sequel, I'll be like, oh, the second one. Uh, I mean, it's a gorgeous film. It looks amazing. It was in 3D, which I wasn't expecting, but I guess it's Avatar. It makes sense. Um, it's, I don't know, It's I'm still digesting this movie from last night that took up basically my entire day yesterday. It's not bad. I didn't dislike it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I did. It's gorgeous to look at. But is there a plot? Like, what happens in this? Is it just the first movie again? <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, I've, I'm going to go as far as to call it bad. But not that there's anything wrong with the movie. It's that this movie, there isn't a single scene in this movie that couldn't have been cut in half. Yeah. And I get you want to have a big, you want it to be a spectacle, but like this was just excess. This is a, a vanity project like I've never seen more than Kill Phil. Um, Kill Phil 2, thank you. More than Kill Phil 2, yeah. Kill, Kill Phil, Phil 1, 1 was, was balanced. That was, the, that was the avatar. That was like, oh, exactly. it's a little too long, but the 3D it's visual effects in Kill Phil 1 <laughs> broke Hobart <laughs> Cinema wide open in 2004. All, all the, the motion capture of Ben and Anthony and was Trent Queen in that one? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> if it was Trey Queen, was it? It'd be the Trey Queen film. <laughs> it would be the room. Uh, but yeah, like this movie, there is a good hour and 45 minute to two hour movie in here. But the way this movie plays out, it, it, there's nothing to enjoy here as far as I'm concerned. Like, because even the parts of this movie I was enjoying, I, I get to the point where I'm zoning out because I'm like, okay, I get it. Just uh, enough with, you know, 10 minutes of swimming and enough with 10 minutes of whales and, you know, uh, 
I don't know, three hours of no plot for 15 minutes of plot. It's just everything here was just too much. And it got to the point where I think you had a movie that could have been better than the first, that could have been enjoyable, but it stripped all the enjoyment out of it for me. And I, I think my biggest problem with this is that uh, the first half hour, 40 minutes is pretty good. It breezes by, it, it's quick, it's fast paced. It jumps right into it. It's not original, but it's it's something enjoyable. And then all of a sudden the movie just hits like this lull that it never breaks out of. It's like you had Avatar 2's plot in the first 40 minutes and this is jumping ahead where nothing happens for the next two hours. And the, the other thing is, uh, you know, the first Avatar got a lot of criticism, even from people who enjoyed the movie, who said it's literally just Dances with Wolves or The Last Samurai or Fern Gully Pocahontas. with Blue Aliens. Pocahontas. Yeah, like there's so many movies that did this exact same thing. And with this one, I, I found myself over and over again being like, they're kind of just ripping off the new Planet of the Apes movies. And then I look and I'm like, James Cameron got like five screenwriters on this movie, including him. And two of them are the screenwriters from the new Planet of the Apes movies. So <laughs> he had to get help to rip off a movie this time. And that kind of bothers me. It, Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like the three parts I like to look at is that this is called The Way of Water. It takes about an hour to see any water in this movie. <laughs> so like you kind of have the first hour is just the stuff that you were talking about. Then you kind of got the middle part, which is, Let's spend James Cameron's money. Like, I like water, everyone, if you didn't know. So let's show it off. And like again, like I honestly think it looks amazing. Like I never stepped out of the first avatar going, wow, like everybody seemed to yeah. in 2009. Everyone was like, wow, this is the most visually impressive thing I've ever seen. And oh my God, this is incredible. I'm going to go see it 10 times. And I never thought that about the first one. I'm like, it looks good, but is it that amazing? And rewatching it, I think you said it to me and I agree with you. Doesn't really hold up fantastically, the first avatar movie. Yeah. This one, I left the cinema going, wow, okay, that looked pretty impressive. And then mm-hmm. the third part to me is the conclusion of Titanic. They're stuck yes, on a boat exactly. as it's sinking, <laughs> trying to get help. Um, so James Cameron literally is like, fuck, okay, people complain the first Avatar was a bit Pocahontas-y, Dances with Wolvesy. What's that other one? Well, T2, I can't get Arnie. He's not available. <laughs> Aliens, I've got Sigourney Weaver, so that's all right. I know, I've got Kate Winslet, Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I think yeah. he did. But it's, yeah, I like, I, I again, I... I think this is better than the first one and I think there's, there's there's levels to it where and I think in rewatching the first one too I felt the same like there's some emotion in these movies which I forgot about in the first one there's some emotion in this movie I'm like oh okay like wow this hits you a little bit um but like the problem with that is do we give a fuck about any character in any of the Avatar movies nope <laughs> and like and I don't I don't want to say it's the actors because I mean you've got some good I mean Sam Worthington was kind of the original <laughs> Jai Courtney. <laughs> um, but, like, I mean, I think – I don't know how it was over outside of Australia, but I think he got a blacklisted in Australia for his tabloid life with him and Lara Bingle and just kind of he turned into a real asshole. So I don't think anybody in this country – oh, yeah, that guy, he's Australian. I guess we need to acknowledge him. But, like – and the, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I'm racist towards the Navi because, like, they all look the same. There's no distinguishing features between half of these Navi. Like, oh, the water people are slightly lighter blue. Like, mm-hmm. like literally the kids in this movie, like, something happens with one of the kids and there's an emotional scene around it. And I'm literally going, which one was that? And this is, like, two and a half hours into the movie. <laughs> And then, like, like it's just literally with the way they do these, I can tell which one's Sam Worthington. I can tell which one's Zoe Sedana. Uh, halfway through, I'm like, that, I think, is Kate Winslet. <laughs> that little girl, Sigourney Weaver, which has de-aging, just turned a blue and into a little child. Um, and then you've got, um, what's his face, the big bad guy, Stephen Lang, who, oh, like. Stephen Lang, yeah. Which, like, I liked him in the first one, but, like, it's not a sport. I mean, if you haven't seen the first one, it's 13 years old. He dies in the first one. Is in this one. It's it's literally the rise of Skywalker. Somehow Palpatine has yeah. returned. This is. Oh well, here he is. He's back. Move on. <laughs> Just ignore <Yeah>. that. <laughs> See, so you pinpointed two of my biggest issues with this movie, and it's not that it's an issue just for this story. It's more just an issue. Like this is a sequel. You had to do better than this. One is the kids. Mm. By the forty-five minute mark. Sam Worthington and Zoe Saldana, who are the leads of the first movie, they're completely pushed aside. Like they're Zoe barely Saldana in. Zoe has nothing to do in this movie. Absolutely yeah, I mean, nothing. Sam Worthington has nothing to do until you get to the last half hour. Like it literally becomes like a young adult 
Hunger Games yeah. or Divergent movie with blue aliens. Kate and, and it's not even exaggerated. <laughs> Kate Winslet, yeah. Divergent, right? Like she just, she, that Kate Winslet's so selfish, she takes over everything. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's not even exaggeration to say that like Sam Worthington and Zoe Saldana's characters are barely in this movie. They are barely in it. Yeah. So you introduce all these new characters that it's hard enough to tell the difference between them. Uh, there's two of the older sons of Sam and, and Zoe that have different accents. One of them has a Navi accent. One of them has Sam Worthington, New York accent. And I'm like, Okay, realistically, you grew up here. You're not going to have one or the other parent's accents. And I just didn't care about these characters. And you had a lot of time to build it. But part of the problem with this movie is all these scenes running on too long. James Cameron will spend 10 minutes showing how these people swim in water. And you could have taken five of those minutes to develop a character. The other problem with with Stephen Lang, uh, Stephen Lang's an unbelievable actor. I mean, I don't think you've ever seen them, but um, the the movie Gettysburg that came out in like the the mid nineties, um, Jeff Daniels and Stephen Lang. I mean, uh, he did the sequel Gods and uh, Generals too. He's a great actor, and it, right around the time, I guess, right before Avatar came out, he was like the older actor that was starting to break through because he had a was Ladder Forty Nine with uh, Wa- uh, Joaquin Phoenix and John Travolta, mm-hmm. um, and I like he's probably the only human actor I really liked in the first Avatar movie. And in this, the plot without, go, I mean, this, I won't consider it a spoiler because you're going to know in the first five minutes of the movie, the plot is a revenge story. So they decided this billion dollar corporation, forget about billion dollar corporation, the first movie, it's a billion dollar mining corporation. In this movie, it is the human race have decided we are going to spend billions of dollars to clone all the people who lost the first battle to come back. Now, I'm sorry to say this because it's knocking one of my teams, but you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. A lot. If I have a chance to, if I have a chance to come back, I'm not cloning Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. (laughs) I'm going to clone the people who got to the Stanley cup. And they're literally the plot of this movie from the human's point of view is all these people who sucked in the first movie, who made all the wrong choices, who lost the battle badly. We think they're the ones and we're going to finance a revenge mission. This, this movie has two things that happen. One is, what are they actually doing here? Which they spend no more than five minutes in this movie explaining the purpose of what they're funding this expedition for. And the rest of it, we're actually meant to believe that the human race said we care enough about this one guy who turned on the human race to become a Navi that we will send people, clone people, send 10 years across the galaxy again to get revenge on one guy who's not even in the movie most of the time. And they literally say the reason in the first one we have to get what is it unobtainium the worst name for something ever (laughs) and in this one it's like let's get some whale brain goo um oh the reason we have to get this is because earth is depleted of resources we'll stop spending billions of dollars sending people to the other side to get revenge yeah (laughs) it's um, like it's a good point You had 13 years and five screenwriters and your best plot was revenge at the cost of billions of dollars and revenge, not even revenge against the Navi. They basically leave the rest of the Navi alone. And they're like, we're going to find what's his name? Sully. We're going to find Sully. Everybody in the human race. Let's find Sully. Who cares? Nobody's going to care. If the, when the Germans basically wake up one day and want revenge, we know it's going to happen. Like they're not going to clone <laughs> Hitler and basically yeah, be exactly. like, you know, oh, we, just because we want revenge against the gun that he killed himself with. Like, I mean, <laughs> you, you know, like I don't think it works that way. I think the Germans have kind of moved on from that. Um, yeah. Obviously, the Russians haven't, but that's a different story. But like, like generally, countries and that move on. I mean, we talked about on off the podium, like Japan versus Germany in the World Cup. You know, eighty years ago, no one's watching that. They hate those two teams. <laughs> like, fuck Japan and Germany. Like, whereas now, it's like, yeah, good on them. They played a good game of football because um, they've moved on. It's been eighties, <laughs> which again, like, uh, this is probably another day when we talk about the first Avatar. How far in the future is this meant to be? Because they get there and they're yeah. like, unobtainium is worth such and such million dollars. And then this one, whatever the brain goo is, and it's a eh, spoiler. It's not really a spoiler. Oh, you spoiled the brain goo. I'm just, I'm so <laughs> sad. I think they say like this here is worth $80 million. If this is set like 300 years in the future, $80 million is probably worth five bucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like $80 million dollars 50, today isn't even years, that yeah, much. Yeah, I would say 50 years in the future, it's not worth anything. Like eight, like this is literally the Austin Powers, $1 million. Well, $1 million <laughs> isn't worth a lot. Like seriously, like if you turned around and invaded a country for a product that's only worth $80 million, people are going to be like, what? <laughs> Fuck. Like, I, you know, yeah. I made that the other day on YouTube. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we do clearly. But um, yeah, like, but can I just ask visually though, like, 
I'm assuming you saw it in 3D. Like I, I mean, yeah. I could I could have spent like the extra ten bucks and gotten the 4D XKYZ whatever it was. But literally, I went the cheapo route. It was cheap ass Tuesday in Australia. I think it cost me sixteen bucks, which is cheap for Australia. <laughs> and um, you know, got I haven't seen a 3D movie. Fuck, I couldn't even tell you the last time. Maybe Titanic in 3D in 2012. <laughs> like I, I literally can't remember the last time I saw a 3D movie in the cinemas because it sort of waned where you know they exist, but I never go out of my way mm. to see it. Whereas this one, I think I bought the ticket going like, oh, I probably should see it in 3D. It's Avatar, but I won't go out of my way. But when I booked it, it was like, it's 3D. Here are your glasses. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. But I mean, visually, like, can you at least, I, again, I, I can't fault the visuals of this movie. It looks mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, and, you know, Jamie kept saying that throughout the movie to me. She goes, you know, this plot is terrible, but at least it looks pretty. And I'm like, I completely agree with you, but how long do you need it to look pretty for? Like, what I, I read a bunch of reviews, of, uh, uh, I guess a lot of the negative reviews. Uh, there's some pretty funny ones uh, that you can find online. And one of them basically said that James Cameron took the equivalent of 30 minutes of a plot from a cartoon and crammed into three hours of a screensaver. And <laughs> yes, it, it, it does look great. And I, I, I will kind of agree with you. The first Avatar movie, it was the novelty of it. I mean, even in 2009, sure, it, it looks great. But I mean, within a year or two, there were multiple 3D movies came out that blew this away. I mean, Tron Legacy came out like a year after Avatar. I say that was much better. Uh, Life of Pi came out two years after Avatar, much better than this. Uh, so yes, the visuals are fantastic. But it's kind of frustrating to me that James Cameron seems to be the only director who's allowed to get by on style over substance. I mean, how many times have we heard over the last 20 years criticism towards George Lucas's Star Wars prequels because, oh, the plot's not very good. It's only about the visuals. Well, those visuals are great. And and there's more plot in them than there's in Avatar. Same thing with the Matrix sequels. Okay, the plot's terrible. But the oh, but the the visuals are good. But you can't get by just on visuals. But then anytime James Cameron releases the movie, oh, but the visuals are great. I mean, the the most diehard James Cameron fans, the best reviews for this movie. I read the good reviews of this movie, and the good reviews will all say the plot's garbage, but mm. the visuals are great. I'm like, okay, but you then you, you're you're not allowed to criticize other movies that do the same thing. Then and. I'm not going to knock people who want to criticize the Star Wars prequels or the Matrix sequels if they think, well, you can't just get by visuals. Personally, I I like the stories for those a lot better than Avatar, but it's completely hypocritical that the majority of people out there praising this movie will also knock other movies to do the same thing. That's a great point. I I only read one review and basically I think it was from Forbes and they were talking about how uh, this was a great three-hour cartoon and video game, and like I, I will admit, <laughs> yeah. when I'm watching a large portion of watching this, I'm feeling like it's a video game because like there's a lot mm-hmm. of cut scenes which feel very like you know Call of Duty esque or things like that. Um, but like it's, and I think the same review they were basically like, this is just the arrogance of James Cameron because like look mm-hmm. at me, I love water and look what I can do, <laughs> yeah. um, which it does come across that way, and like. You know, I hate the fact that the thing I loved about it the most is the visual aspect of it. But, I mean, it does look fucking fantastic. And I'm glad I saw yeah. it in 3D. Um, because, again, we know the whole thing about him, like, waiting around for so long for the technology, blah, blah, blah. Which makes it, if they really are, because I think they filmed this back-to-back with the third one, right? So, we're meant to get a third mm-hmm. one in two years. So, has he finally written a plot for the third one? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I walked out of the theatre telling Jamie, I'm not bothering with Avatar 3, but... Since then, and this is where I hate that I'm going to be a bit of a sucker, James Cameron has basically said Avatar 2 does a small amount in building towards what the big plot is of 3. And I can kind of see that. It's a three-and-a-half-hour movie, James. Well, but here, here <laughs> let's, let's get this. Now, he's also said that Avatar 3 is 95% shot already. They got you know a couple of reshoots to do or whatever. But the movie's done. It's in the can. And he's also he said, I have plans for five Avatar movies, but if – two doesn't do well enough. We have a way to end it at three. He's recently come out and said that the current cut of Avatar three is nine hours long. And that's not a joke. I thought it was a joke. And then I looked up like, no, this is, this has been valid. This is, this is confirmed now. Three hour cut of Avatar three. I 100% believe that he has already shot. His plan is I've got enough material for three, four and five right now. If this doesn't work, I'm going to cut it down into one movie. If not, Avatar 3 is literally going to be the first third of that nine-hour cut, and then he reserves the other two for four and five. Look, 
I, look, I, I don't think I'm as down on James Cameron as you have been in the past. I can't help but respect the man who can come out and do that. Like, I mean, like, it's just the balls to say, I've got a nine-hour cut of a movie. So are we, are we literally going to have released a Cameron cut after uh, number three gets, like, ripped I weirdly, like, I, I struggled in parts of this. I, I'm not one to always go for a three-hour movie. There are three-hour movies that I can sit down and love every second of. Titanic, uh, you know, No Time to Die is basically three hours. Movies like that, I'm like, I don't give a mm-hmm. fuck, this is three hours. I love every part of it. Whereas this, not so much. But like, I I would love if he ever released a nine hour version. I'd 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 give it a crack. I would. Like, why the fuck not? Nine hour movie. Like, good on you, James. Like, you're a weird dude, but like, I respect the shit out of him for doing that. <laughs> you know, I uh, I'd mentioned to you. We briefly talked about this off air before we recorded. I think twenty four the this past week, and. I, I said, I thought I was going to fall asleep in this movie because I had gotten no sleep for two days in a row. I had worked all day. I'd been shoveling nonstop. And I, I told Jamie, I'm like, I'm, I'm probably going to fall asleep in this movie. I was wide awake the whole time. It wasn't even a thing about being tired. It was just, it's just zoning out because nothing is happening or, or things are happening and running on too long in this movie. So to me, I think that James Cameron is usually at his best when he's got a little bit of restraint. And uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this here before, but I've always sort of had the opinion, Michael Bay is not a bad director. Michael Bay just needs to be under pressure. When you look at the good movies Michael Bay has made, they're usually movies where he's at a point in his career where he can't call all the shots. He can't do whatever he wants. The first Bad Boys movie. He was a hired gun making a $15 million action movie. You know, The Rock, Armageddon, those first three. Then all of a sudden he gets unlimited, unlimited power (laughs) for like Pearl Harbor and then Bad Boys 2. And then it got to the point where his career took a hit with, uh, what was it, The Island. Mm. And suddenly he's like, oh, well, I got to start listening to some other people. So he makes the first Transformers movie. First Transformers movie, a good movie. It was then he gets movie. unlimited power. Yeah, and then unlimited power again. The rest of the Transformers suck. James Cameron, I kind of feel the same way about. Like, I feel like if you had a studio saying, don't deliver us a three and a half hour Avatar movie. Two and a half is pushing it, but you could do this movie in two and a half hours. Like I said, there's a good movie in here. Um, a lot of his other movies, I was kind of thinking, I'm like, you know, which games Cameron's movies uh, do I think don't work? And it is the longest ones because I always feel like Titanic, Avatar, this, uh, it, it's just, it's excess. It's too much James Cameron, but ones where, you know, like Terminator 2, where he's like, okay, I'll do this movie in two hours and 20 minutes. Um, True Lies, a movie that he didn't, wasn't even involved in the screenwriting process. Like he needs people to tell him, no, that's a bad idea. And so going along with, yeah, exactly. <laughs> not, Noah, if Noah was here, he'd tell us what not to do. Uh, well, no, we all be racist if Noah's here. But uh, but like uh, you you look at um, you look at this movie. It's like three and a half hours long, and you know that there's a decent movie in here. And comparing it to George Lucas, that was one of the the common criticisms with the Phantom Menace. And George Lucas himself admitted it. He said, "I had to keep this movie so secret because there was so much buzz around it that I didn't have the ability to have people to normally play it off." And it was it was like uh, a month before the movie came out. He screened it for his friends like Ron Howard and Steven Spielberg, and they said, "I got a couple suggestions to make the movie better." He's like, great. I actually like these suggestions, but he didn't have that privilege of doing that. So I I would like to say I can't fault James Cameron, but like there is nothing in Avatar that you need to keep secret. There is no plot here, you know? So allow people to give you some constructive criticism, use some of those suggestions. Don't be so arrogant and you'll have a good movie. This could have been good. It was just James Cameron got in the way. Yeah. It's a good point. And I think that I watched the video after I watched the, the, um, the original, I then watched like the top 10 things to remember before going into Avatar 2. And they're like, we're going to try not to spoil it because there's not much plot details. Literally everything in that video, I guarantee, is the plot of the movie. Like there was nothing <laughs> extra that you could like hide from it or whatever. Yeah. Um, the falling asleep thing, like, I, like I'm, I'm not you. I don't have kids. I don't, you know, like I get <laughs> some sleep, but I, you know, here and there. But like literally within like half an hour of this movie, I was just like, you know, like slowly zoning in and out. And <laughs> like I just... I put that down to like the not paying attention thing and also just like I I was tired. Uh, but like the guy, there was a guy next to me who he did fall asleep because he was snoring very loudly. And then literally like, I want to say halfway through the movie, he got up and I thought like, okay, he's going to the toilet, getting a drink. He's going against James Cameron's wishes. He never returned. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, and then the rest of the cinema was like pretty packed, but... 
I had these two idiots text me who just wouldn't shut the fuck up. But then I was, I was really into Avatar. Like, come on. But like some of the audience reactions, like there's maybe two bits in this entire movie that maybe warrant a slight laugh. But even then, it's not like, it's like, a, oh, haha. Like it's literally the line when I say like, um, why so blue? And then I think there's a bit when they're like, oh, show us your fingers. And he gives like the middle finger, right? Yeah. Oh, and there's another one I think where the little kid's like, oh, I can't believe I'm tied up already again. Like they're kind of just like, a, oh, a ha-ha moment. Yeah. Uh, the entire cinema was here, like, bust out laughing like it was a Dave Chappelle stand-up. Like, not that funny, guys. Like, Sydney, come on. They're like, ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> middle finger. Um, i got to say, a couple of the actors um, that I want to mention, you talked about accents. Uh, Jermaine Clement's in this movie. Didn't realise he was in this movie. Yeah, I saw that afterwards. American accent, terrible. Like, I'm not one to advocate for a New Zealand accent, but holy crap, Jermaine, keep your New Zealand accent. Um, I didn't actually like the the general woman. I'm looking. I'm going like, who's that? She's very familiar. It's Edie fucking Falco. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Um, and for Australian audiences, Brendan Cow is in this movie. Um, he's a big deal here in Australia. Does a lot of like TV work and a lot of Australian movies. He's like the general guy who's on the boat with Jermaine, like the the Australian guy in this movie. Basically, the one guy with the mm-hmm. Australian accent. Uh, he's great. I love him. Even though like literally, I have no idea who the fuck he is, and he comes out of nowhere, and his plot's never really explained. He's He's hunting things and wants brain goo. That's all I can tell you about him. <laughs> but um, I was a bit disappointed with Kate Winslet. Like, I knew she was playing, like, oh. a Na'vi. But, like, kind of, yeah, she's there. And, like, I was reading all this cool stuff about her that she, like, did freediving and broke Tom Cruise's uh, record for, like, longest time under breath or something, like, holding their breath. Like, I was like, oh, Kate Winslet's a badass. She's barefoot and pregnant in this movie for, like, ten minutes. <laughs> like, waste of yeah. Kate Winslet. Come on, James. Well, um... First of all, James Cameron's also said that her role is primarily in the third one. Oh, and that it's of course, totally nine hours worth. Imagine nine hours but, of her giving birth. <laughs> but I, I, this is where I'm going to give some credit to James Cameron because you don't. Even if you're a James Cameron fan, you're aware that he's a bit of a douche. You know, <laughs> he's very high on himself. James Cameron he's is not the one ben to ever Waterworth give credit. Of Hollywood directors. He is, yes, not one to ever give credit to other people. But uh, James mean? Cameron did the most unlikely thing when Kate Winslet was basically saying, "I broke Tom Cruise's underwater record for filming." Uh, James Cameron came public and said her record doesn't actually count because when Tom Cruise did it, he's doing stunts and he's physically exerting himself where you're using so much more. So two minutes to Tom Cruise, the equivalent of seven. So he basically said. Yeah, Kate Winslet's basically standing there slowly waving her arms for seven minutes or something. Um, so James Cameron actually... I'm Kate Winslet. <laughs> well, you can see it. I saw some of it. Uh, but uh, yeah, he actually gave credit to Tom Cruise over somebody in his own movie. But uh, the thing that disappointed me was that they built up both between Kate Winslet and uh, James Cameron, especially, they built up her character so much, but basically saying, literally came out and said... Kate Winslet's character in this movie is more empowering than Wonder Woman because she is a pregnant warrior. (laughs) Now, I wanted to poke holes in this because I'm like, oh, if this is going to be a thing where she's like, you you know, doing uh, karate kicks and and firing guns and she's pregnant. I'm like, that's maybe a little bit irresponsible. Like anybody who's actually had, you know, a, a, a. pregnant if they've been pregnant or had a pregnant wife no pregnant woman is gonna be like yes i'm gonna put my newborn's life in jeopardy for this but the way it's handled in this movie i get what he was saying but she's in it so little like you said like there is nothing here yeah it's it's there was so much hype about her you mentioned Edie falco i saw that after the fact and it's funny because two scenes into her character i turned to jamie i'm like well we officially have the worst actor in this movie like she's awful in this movie and i don't understand how james cameron can get these big again another george lucas comparison get these big actors to deliver such wooden performances yeah i like i i just it was just literally when she came on screen i'm like i know this one i know her who is she um but it was like oh edie falco but um yeah, like uh, the Kate Winslet stuff, like I just was like, uh, like I love Kate Winslet and a lot of that is my Titanic love. So I, I love her, but it's sort of, and then Sigourney Weaver, like playing a little girl and then the, the couple of yeah. scenes you get her as a <sighs> human, like I, we talk about de-aging and I, I actually, I've not seen what Sigourney Weaver looks like 13 years later. I don't think I've seen her in much since Avatar. I think the last time I saw her, she still looked fantastic, but they've obviously used a bit of de-aging here. So sort of like the flashbacks of her in the video, it looks awful. Like I, people always complain about the Henry Cavill moustache lip, which I still to this day, (laughs) don't see the big deal about it. You know, the Carrie Fisher stuff in Rogue One looks a little bit, whatever. And the other guy in that movie looks a bit off, but like, there was, I've never really gone out of a de-aging moving on all that looked completely awful. 
This mm. looked weird. Like, I don't know. Is anybody complaining about the Sigourney Weaver de-aging in the flashbacks? Because it just something was very off-putting about it. I, I, I'm 100% convinced that anybody who walks out of this movie, even loving it, probably already forgets half of what they saw. I mean, it's just, it, it's so long and you do zone out so much. But yeah, I noticed the same thing. I was looking at it at first and I'm like, oh, she doesn't really look like she's aged much. And then I'm looking closer. I'm like, wow, that kind of looks like you just superimposed her, you know, eyes onto somebody yeah. else's Maybe face. 3D. Or something. Maybe 3D makes yeah. it look off. I don't know. But like her character, this that's another frustrating thing. Like this is, this is, you know, Luke's lightsaber in the force awakens all over again. Like there's two or three major plot points they introduced in this movie. And for literally every single one, including Sigourney Weaver's character, how does she exist? Yeah. It's that's a story for another time. And then yeah. we never get there. You had three and a half hours to get us there and you didn't. Somehow uh, she has returned. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow Sigourney Weaver is back in blue uh, with, with Stephen Lang. At least they, they explain it when they explain they? it. Maybe this is, but here's the, well, they, they they basically have the flashback to Stephen Lang. This is the other thing I was hilarious. The Stephen Lang flashback, he's basically talking to himself, the Navi version of himself, the future says, all right, we're about to go into battle with Sully and this is what we're going to do. We're going to send a backup copy. So if you're seeing this, you are the backup copy. Now, first of all, they said in the first movie, it takes 10 years to get from Earth to Pandora. Mm. So this should be like 20 years later, but there's teenagers in this movie that are 15 years old who are alive in the first one. Like the, the human boy is no older than 16, but he was so already Jamie alive. Jamie liked the, the fact that he's got a naked man. Halfway. <laughs> I mean, I know he's only a boy, but knowing Jamie, come on. <laughs> 15 year old Jamie would have loved it. But, uh, but then Stephen Lang is basically explaining how little sense it makes for him to be back because he says, you know, Oh, we're going to do this. We're about to go into battle. I'm like, wait a second. So a scene ended in avatar. You said, all right, we're going to go after Sully. Now everybody board their ships and like, Hey, what if we got backup copies of that's a great idea. Everybody take some blood. And it's all done in five minutes. This backup scene explaining how it's they're going to spend billions of dollars in five But the sixth day at least makes it make sense. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing I wanted to say on the, uh, the crowd reactions for me now, our theater was virtually empty, and, <laughs> and w- which was weird because it was opening night. Now we had basically a three day blizzard here in Winnipeg. So that could explain why a lot of people didn't go. Now, having said that, uh, when I saw The Force Awakens, it was like sold out, sold out. And we had an even bigger blizzard that day. So I've seen the box office numbers and the box office numbers are, are good. They're not necessarily great. I think they're like 40, 50 million below what they anticipated. Yeah, a lot of the headlines I'm seeing, it's a failure. And it's like, well, it's still making this money. Like all yeah, James I mean, Cameron movies generally take forever to make money, don't they? It's, it's, it's yeah. Thing. Like that's the thing with no competition coming up in the next couple of weeks. I mean, it's going to continue to make money. I doubt that it's going to become the fourth highest grossing film of all time, which they said it'll need you to break even. But yeah, our theater was basically empty. Now, <laughs> Jamie actually got up. She said she had to go to the bathroom. And this is with about 45 James minutes. Cameron an hour literally left in the stepped movie. out and yelled at her. <laughs> yeah. Sit down. I woman. wanted to tell her. I wanted to tell her. I'm like, no, we are not paying to see this again. We have been ordered by James Cameron. We're not allowed to go to the bathroom. But, uh, she came back with popcorn. I told him like, I, the movie's almost over. I told you not to get popcorn. She goes, we need something to keep us engaged here. <laughs> she was really <laughs> bored. And Jamie, if you've ever listened to reviews with Jamie, even she said when the movie's over, she goes, I'll agree. That was a bad movie. And she said, and if I'm saying it, you know that it's not good. But as we're walking out, there is a guy there. I don't know. He had like maybe a 12 year old son with him, him and his son. And he asked the son nicely, what did you think of the movie? And his son was like, um, was pretty bad and then the dad was like yeah yeah i think you're right it was kind of bad and then they said nothing else the rest of the way out of the theater (laughs) it was pretty bad um i mean the the thing is is that if you look on imgb and you look at the reviews like people right now are like oh it's so good because they're ignoring the audience this is the same thing that happened with the first avatar everybody's wowed and within six months they're like oh, there really wasn't much to that movie. And once you have to watch it on a small screen, uh, that's not to say that there's not a place to see this. Like if somebody is intent on seeing this movie, I, I would warn against it because it, you're not getting anything great. But if you're intent on seeing it, definitely see it on a big screen, see it in 3D. Yeah. This is the first time in several years where somebody has really used 3D the way it's supposed to be used. Like some of those movies I mentioned, like Tron Legacy and Life of Pi, Gravity was another one. Uh, they really showcase the 3D as opposed to just being, oh, we're just going to do it 3D because. This movie does showcase 3D the way it should be used. The underwater scenes, as long as you can have your attention span stick with them, you know, they are impressive to look at. So if you're going to go see this movie, see it in the best possible format. But once this is just out on Disney Plus or, you know, 
4K, whatever, I don't think anybody's going to be that thrilled with it. I remember working, I was still at Sanity back in the day when this came out on DVD and Blu-ray. I think Blu-ray was still relatively new back then. And, you know, the big selling point was get the Blu-ray 3D version and because this is when 3D TVs were a thing. And it was a huge selling point because that was the selling point about the first Avatar. It was like, oh, my God, we've got to see it in 3D. Whereas now, I think that top 10 things I watched, it basically said like, well, you know, that was Avatar's legacy in cinema. It changed things, mm-hmm. brought back 3D, all this kind of stuff. What's this going to do for cinema? Mm, yeah. You know, precursor to nine-hour movies? Like, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't I mean, think this has anything that is going to be groundbreaking enough for it. I, I think, and I remember, um, I, I know I've mentioned this before, the, when, the day I saw the first Avatar, I posted on Facebook my opinions, which was like, this is a good movie, it's okay, but... A year from now, five years from now, nobody's going to be wowed by it. And I, I remember some people actually saying, no, I think you're wrong. This movie is so groundbreaking visual effects. I'm like, well, nobody's watching the original movie now being like, oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. When you're relying only on visuals, you're never going to stand the test of time. And that's the problem with this movie as well, is they didn't do anything. And, and I'm not saying James Cameron doesn't have that in him. I just feel like you're so limited. He's so focused on wanting to build a world that he doesn't care about the story. Because look at Terminator 1 to 2. Terminator 1, we covered that a few years ago. And we said, yeah, the first Terminator is great, but it is so basic. Yeah. And this the story is just, it, you've seen it a million times. It's just, it was presented in a decent way. When he got to Terminator 2, like it was like going from, you know, uh, it was not like going from 40, you're going from 40 in a residential area to going 120 on a highway, you know, and this movie had the potential to do that, but they just, they didn't, nobody cared about the story. And like I said, the story that's in here, even the one big plot twist in this movie, which I guess you could say the thing that happens close to the end with, oh. you mentioned one of the kids. Yeah. yeah. Is that a literally? Plot twist? I, well, I, that's it's the only thing that really happens in this movie. We're like, oh, I may not have seen that coming. It's literally taken straight out of the Planet of the Apes movies. <laughs> that's what if, if you've seen the Planet of the Apes movies, also movies that did 3D just as well, if not better than the first Avatar. You know, there is nothing here that's new. There's nothing that's original. The I've only seen. I think I saw the original as a kid, and I saw the Mark Wahlberg one. Uh, I've, never, I've never seen any of the other ones. So um, see the Andy Circus ones. They're great. Okay. There, oh, there was a movie that when I left this, I'm like, this just reminds me of another movie in terms of the way they. <laughs> That's Avatar's legacy. Secret. <laughs> oh, it reminds me of Dance of the Wolves, Last Samurai, but Pocahontas. It's, it's it's interesting. Like the remember was it last year, or the year before, there was a big battle over Avengers and this when like James Cameron re-released it to like Marvel. Were congratulating oh, yeah. James Cameron for retaking it and all that sort of stuff. Um. Like, I would say that about Avengers as well. Again, maybe that's just I'm not a massive MCU fanboy, but I saw that once at the movies. I was like, that's good. Can I remember anything about it? No. Like, (laughs) like, that's my sort of viewpoint. Like, at least with The Rise of Skywalker, like, I mean, I might not like it or Last Jedi, but I can still remember what happened to the movies. And what you said about Titanic, like, that's completely true. Like, I don't think Titanic's a good movie. I think there are massive plot holes in that movie that have nothing to do with somebody floating on a board at the end. There are plot holes that nobody brings up in that movie. I don't like it, but I will at least say I remember that movie. There, it's, yeah. it's memorable for good or bad reasons, and there is more going on in that movie than this. And that's what I was about to say. I think that, again, it's just putting my Titanic fanboy hat on, I, I think, yeah, like you summed up my point that I was about to say. Like it's something that people remember, and it's I'd say Titanic's way more culturally significant because I don't like Avatar was culturally significant for five minutes. Like, oh, let's go and cosplay as Navi. And I think Weird Al mentioned it in one of his, you know, rip-off songs. Like it's it's culturally at the time. But like before this came out, is anybody still going as cosplay as Avatar, setting up this yeah. world and talking about it? Whereas at least Titanic, like, I mean, to this day, oh, there was room on the the board for both of them. And like people know what the Titanic is you know, it's obviously a real life thing. So like I, and like Leonardo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet, they're always talked about in these circles and brought up with Titanic. Whereas like Sam Worthington, I mean like seriously, <laughs> you would think Avatar would do the opposite for his career, but he, done nothing since Avatar yeah. and here he's come back and I'm Australian and I was more excited for <laughs> Brendan Cow in this movie and Jermaine Clark a Kiwi. And I was like, Oh yeah, Sam Worthington. Okay. I, I was sort of uh, talking when we, Jamie and I were watching the first Avatar, you know, about, uh, oh, he went from Leonardo DiCaprio to this guy, Sam Worthington. And Jamie was saying, it's like, you know, it's like Leonardo DiCaprio annoys me in Titanic. This guy, I literally just have no opinion on him whatsoever. And which <laughs> kind of goes with what you're saying, like, you know, Jamie, exact same opinion. She's like, I don't like Titanic, but 
I don't like it because maybe it annoys me. It's I at least remember the movie. The, the, Sam Worthington is the perfect guy for an Avatar movie because he is the most forgettable person. Just like this is the most forgettable movie. He um he literally by the looks of things since um Avatar has done a lot of voice work in Call of Duty. Funnily enough, so there you go. But um can we can we Lara Bingle good sh- for him? Uh, Lara Flynn Boyle, what? La- Lara Bingle. She was basically oh, okay. <laughs> she was a model in Australia who got like we did this um advertising campaign selling Australia like in the 2000s and she was a hot bikini girl who literally stood on a beach and goes, Australia, where the bloody hell are you? And even I was like, wow, she's hot. And then she became just like a tabloid person, had a really trashy reality show following her and then, yeah, she started fucking Sam Worthington and they were always like filmed in the streets in Sydney like abusing the paparazzi, being like Britney Spears, bashing them with umbrellas and stuff like that. And now I think they've all both gone to ground and they're still married and have kids. They're good for them. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to at least one actor in this movie that can that can do a lot to convey some emotion despite you not actually seeing them. That's Zoe Saldana. Yeah. She's such an underrated actress. Like it's I unfortunate. I there there are actors that I love that they get these big like I love that Henry Cavill, who I was a fan of before he even did Superman. I love that he can get these franchises, you know, because he's good in those. And Zoe Saldana is kind of the opposite. Like I feel like the franchises like Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers and Avatar hold her down because she's actually so much better than this. And she has scenes in this where probably the only time I actually kind of felt for one of these characters, uh, so much so that when we got home from Avatar, I also couldn't sleep that night. And I started watching a movie Columbiana that uh, she starred in like 10 years ago, which I, I mentioned our 24 recaps as well because I had a 24 actor in it. But yeah, she does well. I, I would say that Sigourney Weaver, it's interesting to see her playing a 15 year old girl or 14 year old girl, whatever. Um, but it's also weird at the same time. Cause it, it looks like Sigourney Weaver as an yeah. alien, but like teenage. So there's something kind of distracting about her. Otherwise I would have said she's good. But other than that, I mean, who really is there to be impressed with in this movie? Like the Navi characters aren't that interesting. The humans aren't that interesting. And I wish we had more interactions too, because yes, this movie looks incredible, but a lot of that video game feel that we talked about from both the first and this movie would not be so obvious if you put humans in more scenes with the Navi. Because when you're watching 90% of this movie is just Navi, you're like, well, this is 100% CGI. And when you can see humans in there, it it gives you a little bit more of a perspective of how real does this look. And it actually will make the Navi look more impressive. Like, I I want anything on the third one. I want a little bit more of a mix between real world and Pandora world. You've missed out on one of Zoe Sedana's big uh, cinematic universes, the Crossroads cinematic universe, which... Oh, uh, yeah, that's funny. I was looking through filmography because I'm like, oh, she's definitely done better movies than this. And I saw Crossroads. She was in that? Like, I completely forgot she was in that movie. Damn straight she was in that movie. Um, Britney Spears' bestie. Come on. Um, yeah, I, I, honestly, rather watch Crossroads than this. Um. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, it would be over quicker. <laughs> it would be. I, we, could watch, we could actually watch Crossroads two and a half times in the amount of time it takes to get through we, this movie. We could watch Crossroads, Gigli, and Glitter <laughs> and still catch the end of Avatar 2. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not even joking. I think we probably could. It's funny you mentioned about Jamie getting popcorn because at one point like I, like, I wasn't, you know, I went to the bathroom before and listened to James Cameron. But like at one point, because I, 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 I brought my own snacks because I was that guy. But then I'm just like, oh, gee, I didn't get a drink. Uh, still we were like two hours to go. Do I duck out and get a Coke? Um, yeah. But then I've got James Cameron. Ben, no. And I'm like, yeah, He's you're right, He's going to be James. right behind you. I don't want to have to pay to see this movie again. I really don't. So I'm just like, oh, God, something big's going to happen. I'm going to walk out and fucking, I don't know, Santa Claus is going to land on Pandora and be like, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Um. I don't really have anything else to add. Um, sure, we've seen it. Um, look, I honestly came into this episode probably thinking like, yeah, I'd give that a, a low buy. But I think kind of in talking about this, I've, I'm going to go down to a low rent. Like, I like okay, mm. didn't hate it. Like, again, this isn't a movie that made me mad. It was visually stunning and just there was stuff in it that I did. Like, you talk about the kid characters. Like, there's something there. Like, I felt like... Mm-hmm. If we could recognize the children in this movie and we could distinguish them between that, like I kind of liked some of that storyline around what was going on and, and them in the water. And like, I liked the whale stuff turning to free Willy for yeah. about 10 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. But I kind of liked that sort of connection they had with this like whale creature. It was really well done. So there was stuff in here that works. I don't think it's a bin worthy movie for me, but it's, it's a very low rent and it's literally a movie that I probably won't watch again for another 13 years until the sequel. Or I guess if this gets nominated for best picture, I guess we might have to 
do Ugh. something. Do we what? have to? Can we just like do a I'm summary? Not gonna <laughs> I'm not going to yeah, rewatch well, this. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I'm conflicted because I know there are people out there that genuinely do love these movies, and fine, more power yeah. to you, as long as you're not going to be one of those hypocrites. There are that people says, like Twilight, oh, Colin. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, well, but like it, it, to me, my only issue, if there are people who praise these movies, is. Are you going to give the same freedom to things like Matrix and Star Wars for their lack of story? Um, personally, though, there's nothing that I connect with in this movie. And if there was, if if there's a Cameron cut of this movie that ends up being even two and a half hours, I'd be interested in checking out. But I'm telling you right now, you could do this movie in two hours and it would be a buy. But for what this movie is, like, not only would I knock out of my way to see it again, like, I was just so utterly bored the entire time that I would go for a bin, but it's a bin that I would say, if you're interested in seeing this movie, pay to check it out in the best format, but I'm not going to do it again. So do it, do as I uh, say, not as I do. Fine. Colin, the James Cameron of this episode, listen to him. <laughs> he uh, absolutely has to do it. Um, We've got a few good things coming up in the coming days before Christmas. Uh, a couple of extra reviews that I'll be doing by myself because Colin's too busy to uh, see movies. So <laughs> tomorrow I'll be doing a solo review of Weird, the Al Yankovic story, which I watched the other day. So stay tuned for that. I also just bought a ticket to see Weird Al again in a couple of months. So I'm excited to see him again. Uh, also Christmas Eve, I'll be dropping a spirited review, the Ryan Reynolds, Will Ferrell musical, which uh, is decent. I listen to the review you'll hear me talk about it we've also got the best of the christmas movies recaps dropping uh, in a couple of days as well and our best of will be dropping basically uh like new year's eve-ish so uh stay tuned for that exciting times and then moving into next year uh reviews things like that obviously 24 still coming as well um but uh, i saw i got a bit excited colin because on the train ride home last night i saw that uh, they released a trailer for the Brennan Fraser, The Whale, which I got teary in the fucking trailer. I can't imagine what it's going to be like in the damn whole thing. Brennan Fraser, geez, give him an Oscar for the trailer. Fucking hell. Yeah. Um, but they kept saying like December 21st. So I thought like, oh, fuck, I need to see this this weekend. But I think in Australia, we're not getting it to February. So uh, I'm not sure if you're getting it early, but I'll definitely be seeing that. I saw the trailer for the Whitney Houston movie. Standard yeah. affair. Probably might go see that. You're going to go see Violent Night, though. So I'm guessing yeah. a review will come for that. Uh, I mean, we're going to see that the day, well, what is that? The 22nd. So um, if we have time, we're definitely going to fit the Violent Night review in, but it depends if Jamie's going to be willing to or not. If not, we'll definitely cover it for next Christmas, I think. Um, but uh, th there's another one that well, I don't think we'll do a review for it, but uh, we got, there's a, a Hallmark Hanukkah movie that filmed in Winnipeg that we have uh, a virtual screening is that the Terry one? No, no, that uh, one was last year, and it was pretty bad. I never even finished it, but uh, uh, I don't know. We're going to be watching that tonight, so that's one of the unfortunate things is we we're, we have a free viewing of a Hallmark Hanukkah movie just because it was filmed in Winnipeg, uh, but uh, Violent Night, maybe we'll get it before um, before Christmas. This will be your well, technically our last episode that we do for the year because our 24 one that drops next week we've already recorded, but um, just quickly because we're releasing this a couple of days before Christmas, um, I know we've talked about this before, but refresh my memory. Do you have Christmas movie tradition? Like, do you have something on like Christmas Eve or you always have to watch beforehand? Yeah, we've been, well, we have stuff we watch in the lead up to Christmas, which, um, you know, Die Hard, uh, White Christmas, Home Alone, Christmas Vacation, Christmas Story, all those things. Uh, the one that I always watch on Christmas Eve, which ultimately just comes down to it, when I was growing up, it was the one movie that always aired on TV before Christmas. It's like the original black and white A Christmas Carol movie. Uh, that's always aired on TV the night before. Um, but I'm trying to fit in there. This is a weird one, but I'm trying to fit in there before Christmas, the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special. So I'm going to see if I can show that to my kids. Maybe if I show them that to my kids, we can get Casper on next year to recap it with us. I can never take He-Man seriously because there was um, somebody did that video of him like lip syncing to what's going on. I said, Hey, yeah, it's just so funny. I need to find it and send it to you. Um, yeah. Well, mine doesn't change Santa Claus followed by the Vicar of Dibley Christmas oh, yeah. special, always Christmas Eve tradition. So I have to ask you about that because I watched those last, I have a subscription to a British, you know, TV service. So I watched those last year. Now there's a couple of Vicar of Dibley Christmas special. Which one specifically is it's it? The, the, the one where she has to eat like six lunches. Yeah. It's the first one. So yeah. uh, she, I showed that to Jamie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, did you like the Vicar of Dibley? Vicar of Dibley is fantastic. Yeah, you, yeah. I, I watched the entire series. I think it did that make my top 50 TV shows of all time. If it didn't, it probably should have. It's a great show. Um, I love Dawn French. She's incredible. Um, but yeah, no, that that one always 
uh, is one to watch. And although I've got I've got on my stick a few that if I can fit it in, like Jingle All the Way, I haven't watched yet. Die Hard, obviously. I actually put the Santa Claus sequels on there just because I'm like, well, if I watch the TV show, I should probably catch up. But I doubt I'll have the time to watch them. But uh, and weirdly enough, just on the the TV show ones because we've got to connect to the Oz Network. Third Watch did about three Christmas episodes, which the one <laughs> the, the Onion episode, which I actually hate. Um, but I was listening to some of my music on shuffle and there's a, I think it's Destiny's Child to a version of Carol and the Bells, which they play in that episode. And oh yeah, that's great. It's a really good like montage that they do at the end of this episode, even though I don't like an episode where you've got a cop trying to find a toy onion. It's pretty shit, but whatever. <laughs> but um, it just reminded me of that episode. I'm like, oh, maybe I should watch the Christmas Third Watch episode because you get Kim Raver and Eddie Sibrian about to fuck in front of a Christmas tree. What's not to like about that? Um, <laughs> so poor old Michael Beach crying about his life. So anyway. I- on the topic of like TV specials, I mean, well, first of all, the Santa Claus, we watched the first two, like the last two days and the Santa Claus series. I did tell you, if anybody has listened to our lost coverage, I'll encourage you to watch the entire Santa Claus series for the one lost reference that Elizabeth Mitchell, Mitchell gets in the uh, finale, which is fantastic. How's but, she uh, looking, by the way? She looks good in the promotion. She looks material. good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I, she looks like she's barely aged. But um, yeah, Rock at at the time of recording this, Rocky and I are you know right about to record the final home improvement Christmas special, which two year project that we're finally coming to a close on today. So, so we've basically got a shit ton be- of episodes between now and Christmas yeah. day, and then uh, nothing after that. Well, we literally, give up after that. Right, so the, I think we're going to have about like six or seven episodes in the next couple of days. So lock yourself in. It's like the Avatar of podcasts, and then we'll have <laughs> twenty four dropping on Boxing Day. Then we'll have our best of dropping a couple of days beforehand, and then straight back into it. And again, we still don't know what we're officially doing for uh next year uh, we're going to be working that out between now and then but um great content coming your way um so yes avatar the way of water see it at the movies if you have to otherwise i don't know you're drunk and bored and stoned one night <laughs> watch it on disney plus in a couple of years uh my name is ben and <laughs> and my name is colin and i don't speak english to buttholes thanks for downloading this episode of the oz network Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the oznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.